Hi folks, hope everybody is enjoying that rain out there. It's beautiful, isn't it? Uh, late June and summer is definitely beating against the window here. A <laughs> um, little bit of housekeeping before I start the podcast. This conversation was recorded on Sunday morning. Uh, I went out for our patrons as such. I'm putting it out in general release now. Situation uh, is continuing to escalate and we will continue to cover it on the Tortoise Shack every chance we get. Um, in the meantime, there are other podcasts going out already this week. We've had a new Glow West, which is out on your feed. And uh, Martin had a great conversation with Brendan Ogle in relation to what we were calling the Mick Lynch effect. Uh, that's out now as well. And outside of that, there's a ton of additional content all available right now for the price of a fancy cup of coffee once a month at patreon.com forward slash tortoise That's how we pay the bills. That's how we keep the show on the road. Would love you to join us. It would really help. Thanks for the support. Thanks for letting people know. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for all the feedback. It really is appreciated. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we are back uh, sooner than advertised, folks. But uh, events again have taken another turn uh, this morning in, in Kiev when a Russian missile struck um, buildings in 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 in. in Central districts that haven't happened since the beginning of the month. Uh, I am delighted to be rejoined on the podcast by Ukrainian MP uh, Lesia Vasilenko. Lesia, first of all, how are you? Uh, I'm good, too, I guess. Uh, that's the answer I always give because yeah. I'm not the one who's uh, uh, uncovering relatives from the rubble. And uh, thankfully, all my friends and family are safe and sound. So the, the only answer I can say is that I'm good and alive and, you know... <laughs> Kiev is still standing, Ukraine is still standing, and that's the main thing. Several explosions were heard in Kiev Central District, and uh, and this is all happening now in the backdrop of the G7 um, events. But there's, but you know, there's reports of 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 at least I think is it four casualties I, I heard from from the strikes, and it's and it's a residential building was clearly targeted by uh, from despite what we're going to hear in the propaganda side back about you know um, striking at, at at military targets. Well, absolutely. The building that was targeted is uh, in a residential area, just maybe 10 minutes away from from the downtown, from the historic area of Kiev. And um, it does stand next to, it's a new residential block that has been built next to an old unused uh, military uh, military plant. So a military facility where they used to to manufacture, I don't know, some military equipment but that was back in the soviet era that doesn't happen anymore and that plant is essentially stood unused so uh what would be the reason for that targeting um uh, essentially uh, there's no there's no logic behind it from a military perspective again a civilian site has been killed, uh, targeted, and civilians uh, have been uh, casualties. And uh, we are waiting for confirmations of how many were killed. But the rubble is being um, uh, taken apart, and we we have already four in the hospital with uh, severe, severe wounds. One of them being a seven-year-old child. Yeah, um, I mean, we can't put it more straight, straight, more stark than that. Uh, Russia is saying that they have been using, um, I believe I'm going to use their their phrase and, and forgive me, uh, high precision weapons to strike uh, Ukrainian army training centers. Um, well, they've been they have fired at, at Chernihiv and, and, and Lviv regions as well. Um, all of this now is in the backdrop of the G7 kicking off. And there's talk of 
uh, further sanctions, including a ban on gold imports. Uh, what, like, what if anything now uh, can be done? Because we've seen this. This is now what is it? Day one hundred and twenty-three. It's four months gone gone on now, and we've seen the Ukrainian uh, troops having to withdraw from certain se- certain areas now as well. So it's 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 a very bloody and protracted war. Uh, can can you hope for any any change from the G seven? Uh, well, I, what I am hoping uh, for is that uh, the G7 and all uh, Ukraine's allies, all the leaders of the free world, will not back down in front of uh, this uh, Russian um, blackmail, which which we are witnessing now. Because every time Russia wants something, they escalate. They escalate the military activities. Uh, they escalate the number of casualties, both military and civilian, to sort of prove a point and uh, to uh, to scare the wor- world essentially into into concessions and into what they want, and I'm just hoping that the world knows better by now that appeasing Russia will only uh, lead to to more casualties, to more death, to more killings, and to more wars. I mean, the, uh, the G7 and all the other leaders they they need to be very firm on the fact that Russia must be stopped. Russia's aggression must be stopped once and for all. And in order to do that. Uh, uh, no efforts must be spared. Ukraine must get the weapons it's asking in time and in the quantities that it is asking for. The only reason that we're asking for the weapons that are not being used by Western powers is so that the Western powers will not have to use them, so that uh, the soldiers uh, from uh, France, uh, the UK, Germany, and so on, will not have to be fighting wars, wars against uh, uh, dictators like Putin and uh, aggressors like Russia. Um, Ukraine is happy to do that, and we're doing everything possible to contain uh, this war inside the territory of Ukraine. But in order for it to really be contained just inside the territory of Ukraine, uh, we need to, uh, the Western world to be really determined in stopping Russia and um not wavering uh, in the face of uh, further, uh, f- well, further ultimatums and blackmails that we're seeing coming from Russia right now with the attacks on Kiev and and on the rest of Ukraine. Because you are absolutely right in saying that uh, just yesterday we actually had a record number of Russian missiles launched across Ukraine. It was uh, well over 40 missiles, 45 missiles in total were launched across the whole territory of Ukraine. And some of them were actually hitting as close uh, as uh, the Lviv region, which Mm -hmm. is uh, really just uh, a couple of uh, dozen kilometers off the Polish border. Yeah, it's 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 close to NATO territory as 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 we'd frame this war. But this there's already been several like escalations. We've seen the likes of this. But in terms of the the, I, I suppose on a on 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 a brighter note. And again, I don't know what time we live in because it's a strange it's a strange world. But we've seen the EU's uh, supports in terms of uh, fast fast tracking the Ukrainian membership. We've also seen that that might have good impacts for some other countries. And you know, it, it is. It, it is something to, to say that, OK, that these things are happening, but I don't know what that means, because in terms of troop numbers, uh, there does seem to be a problem. and uh, There are a lot of casualties and fatalities on both sides now. And we see that there that, you know, the, that they that the support is actually needs more than weapons. They, men are required to, to fight these wars. Let us hear. 
Uh, you know, if we had enough of the high precision weapons on our side, then so many men wouldn't have died and so many women wouldn't have died in this war. Uh, the responsibility lies not only with Ukraine and Ukraine's authority, but the responsibility for the casualties of this war also lies with the Western authorities. I'm very sorry to say this, but every delay in the weapon delivery uh, actually means more lives lost, both civilian and military lives lost from the side of the fighters for freedom who are the Ukrainian army today and who are the Ukrainian resilience today. So what I'm saying is that uh, it's not about you know uh, increasing the, the manpower who is able which is able to counter Russia. It's about increasing uh, the the weapons which we are able to fight with against Russia and having them uh, having them delivered to Ukraine with uh, the new technologies, the sophisticated weapons that need to be there, because we live in uh, in the 21st century and uh, the the technology is so advanced that uh, you know many lives can be spared, except for uh, Ukraine uh, never had access to this technology because uh, the stance of the Western world has always been that oh we don't need another militarized power oh ukraine can like push for uh military reforms of its of its own accord and if it gets there then well done then maybe we will accept ukraine into nato as a full-fledged nato member mm, and so ukraine's reform of the military and modernization of the army was taking place at a snail's pace extremely extremely slowly and um now oh, we we have the consequences of it, and the consequences of it are such that it's either Russia who is going to win with the totalitarian uh, hold pushing on across Europe and the European region and continent as a whole, or it's going to be Ukraine and democracy. But in order for democracy to win, uh, the Western world, uh, the old democracies of this world, need to start uh, working on the mistakes of the past and correcting them very quickly now. Yeah, and and uh, again, but on the on the flip side, I, I, I see. I, I find the whole thing very uncomfortable because we're, we're talking about military spending in a war that's going to escalate, that's going to be protracted, and the, we we knew. Like the, the sanctions haven't bitten as hard in terms of Russia in some ways because they've been able to open up. You know, let's face, let's tell the, let's tell the truth. India and China are buying. Uh, uh, Russian fossil fuels. We know that's happening already um, at rates of the rate. They found other markets. The And then on, on the other side, though, the one thing that they, they are against is the, the difficulty they're having is getting um, uh, rebuilding their military because they, they're finding it difficult to, to, to do that. Time uh, experts have said time is working against Russia because the their its military potential isn't as replaceable as as they'd hoped it would be. A time is working against all of us. Uh, yes, in terms of sanctions, I will say time and time again, sanctions do work and there has been no illusion about that. And whoever uh, wants to believe uh, Russian propaganda that actually sanctions have done nothing to weaken Russia, they will find themselves in the wrong because, uh, again, uh, Russia... It does not have the necessary means to continue de developing its uh, strong military sector. And that military sector is actually weakening. And the whole point of the sanctions, yes, is to bring Russia's economy down, which will take longer, but it's also to bring Russia's military sector down, which is already happening. And we have evidence of that. 
so sanctions must continue and must be made stronger. Uh, right now, it's uh, imperative to introduce a ban on Russian gas, the same as the ban was introduced on Russian oil. Um, because that still remains uh, a large source of income to the Russian budget, which then goes on to feed the Russian military, which then goes on to kill uh, Ukrainians and um, uh, essentially to destroy Ukraine. Um, uh, but at the same time, it's also important to to think about how we strengthen uh, Ukraine. And with that, it's equally important to find uh, the necessary financial means and uh, put in place necessary economic programs to strengthen Ukraine, because it's not just militarily that Ukraine can win, but the military relies very much on, on support from, from the population. We need business going in Ukraine, we need the budget to be replenished in Ukraine, and uh, we need the country to be functioning. And in order to do that, we need help with, uh, with rebuilding all that Russia has destroyed so far. Yeah, there's there's huge, um, huge sums of money required to help in the rebuilding, even paying salaries and, and maintaining the the economy and and to build build back the society. But on the on the like that's that's just to me that's just figures on a page. And, and this is what we have to do as a society, as a as a as a global society, support people through those processes. But on the on the flip side, though. Is that been made more difficult because, you know, we're, we'd already pre- previous to this war, we were entering a cycle of inflation and we were and we were talking about food insecurity. And, you know, yourself from talking about these 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 issues pre-war that there was already, you know, signs in the global food chains um, were, were, were ropey anyway. And now you, you put two of the largest countries of producers of, of, of grains and, and that, that people are dependent on in, in the midst of this. Is it now more difficult to to do that when when other countries are talking about their own economic insecurities and in an, the inflation that has has uh, ca- caused what's being called a, a global cost of living crisis? Uh, well, you know, uh, I always say that I can uh, I, as well as all the many other Ukrainians, we can well emphasize with the world uh, in terms of the trouble that they are going through economically with, with the recession, with the growing energy prices, uh, the, the prices for petrol, uh, the prices for food, because we Ukrainians in Ukraine, we're going through all of the same things. We're not isolated from the world. The, the crisis, the economic crisis has hit us as well. But on top of that, we also have a war to fight and we also also have uh, air raid sirens which disturb our normal way of uh, uh, doing business in everyday life and of just you know going to work going to school or whatever and on top of that we also have funerals to go to because uh, ukrainians are getting killed every day on the front lines fighting russia and fighting this war in order uh, for there to be stability and peace and freedom in europe uh so um Definitely, Ukrainians can relate, but in a slightly, slightly different manner. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I was, I wasn't trying to be um, flippant about it, but I just mean in terms of trying to when you, you know, when we're talking no, about. I understand. It's yeah. just something that I would like to point out as well that when we're talking about these things, and every time that uh, we hear, uh, you know, people, I don't know, uh, again uh, in Italy or in France or in Ireland, say that okay, petrol prices. The only thing that I. I springs into my mind when I hear that is that, well, actually, we in Ukraine don't have petrol. 
mm. and we we will have even more severe petrol uh, shortages, especially diesel sh- shortages towards the months of August. There will be no diesel available uh, for people who are driving diesel cars in Ukraine because that diesel will be going to uh, to the agricultural sector so that the farmers of Ukraine can collect uh, the crops so that they can actually be sent off and exported uh, through uh, uh, our Western borders uh, to to feed the people because Ukraine today feeds 400 million people globally, uh, especially dependent on Ukrainian grain are the North African countries and the Middle East. Some of them import as much as 80% of just Ukrainian grain. So really, if Ukraine fails to deliver that grain to them, those countries will starve. Hunger and and starvation will become a reality again. and And that's actually... There's a statistic, really st- scary statistic that I was involved with uh, one of the NGOs on the Horn of Africa, a food crisis. Potentially, someone will die of hunger every 48 seconds in this scenario. Well, every- you know, we're coming back to a scenario which the world already has seen and which we very much hope that we have uh, managed to, uh, to contain and to uh, to win over hunger in, in those places. But again, hunger and famine are going to be coming back unless Ukrainian farmers deliver the goods. And we're doing everything that we possibly can. As, as a nation, we're actually sacrificing the small luxuries such as actually, you know, having running cars and petrol and so on so that our farmers can collect the crops and so that uh, there will uh, the, the hunger and the famines will not be coming back to large parts of the world because with the hunger and the famines in the large parts of the world uh, come also the stabilization in, uh, in North America and Europe because of course there will be people who will be trying to to yeah. flee uh, the absolutely unlivable environment uh, and the migration crisis will become more acute uh, pretty much all over the world. There's a lot of consequences which uh, stem off uh, the war in Ukraine just like a domino effect mm. because, again, Ukraine is not just like a tiny little uh, dot uh, on the map somewhere. Ukraine is a huge country with agriculture, industry, all intertwined and interlinked with global processes and if uh, our delivery system gets disrupted so so do uh, many processes across the globe the very last thing Lesia, um and thanks for your time again do you think that the russian demands or the russian ideas of what their victory looks like have changed uh, over the last uh, 30 days you know because we spoke about the need for this corridor the need for uh, some sort of victory for the, the, at home and some sort of thing to say that, well, look, we are, things are a little bit worse off, but, um, you know, it's for the greater good of the country. Have have you seen any change in the what, what Russia wants to, out of this ultimately? None whatsoever. Actually, today, uh, as uh, the news got uncovered about uh, this building that was bombed in Kiev uh, and uh, we already knew the number of uh, casualties uh, that were there. Uh, I opened up one of the social medias where, where Russians were commenting under the news, and uh, there was not one comment from uh, coming from uh, uh, Russia that would uh, commiserate with the people for their loss. Every single one comment coming from Russia was celebrating. 
uh, it was saying that great that they got bombed. Even more bombs need to be coming their way. Why so little uh, casualties? Why so few Ukrainians died? This is what the Russians were saying. So nothing changes in that country yeah, as a whole. There has been um, a really effective, I, I think it was, you know, the, like uh, the, the propaganda side of that as well and, and, and the, the, the control of state media. Look, let's see, Vasilenko, thank you for taking the time to talk to me again. It's, it's, good, it's good to see you. I'm, I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're okay, even though um, clearly uh, that's not, does, we, have, we still are at a stalemate and we, we hope actually to hear something from the G7. And as you say, that that, that, that may actually force something here. But our biggest fear is that this is a protracted and, and drawn out um, war that's going to continue. Uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you. And keep safe. Th- thanks, folks. We talk to you. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, we have more coverage coming. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Subscribe now on Patreon.